And so right now, I'm thrilled to introduce to you a, a crowd favorite. Back in the day, there was a Pistol Pete Maravich, Pete, but this is Chet Pete, and he's better than him. And I tell you what, we've been connected now for several years, and his wife, Whitney, is a wonderful, wonderful woman of God, a blessing. His two boys came with him. I say boys, they're taller than me, and they're 11 years of age. They wear a size 11 shoe right now. I wear a size 10 shoe. They're bigger than me. So a boy is not the term. Young men, that's what they are. And so even though they're 11 years of age, and so they're here with us right now also. Um, but he is the campus pastor at University City uh, for a church that some of you may have heard of before called Elevation Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I want you to give a North Church welcome to my friend and yours, Chet Pete, as he comes and preaches the Word of God. Come on, North Church. Uh, North Church, I, I feel like I'm at home. I feel like I'm at home right now. Uh, this, is, this is family. Um, you guys came with a praise on your heart tonight. Uh, and you could pat a little bit behind me because um, there's, um, there's two things I need to do before we open up God's word. One is, is we have to take a moment and thank God for the pastors of this house, Pastor Rodney and Shannon Fouts. Uh, um, they, uh, uh, they, are, they, are, they are much better to me than I could ever be to them. Um, being newer in ministry, um, needing to figure out how to uh, be a great dad, be a great husband while building a church. Um, it is not easy, and um, you can't do it alone. And uh, I always was praying that God would send me people that I could reach out to and that would encourage me in those times that I needed the most. You see, it's easy to be friends in times of celebration. <laughs> It, at, the, at the anniversary party, at the birthday party, that's easy to do. That's easy to do. But what, when, what, what happens when, when life happens? You know, when, when, when it gets bad, when it gets tough, when there's things that struggle, when you're hurting, when you're in pain. That's when you really see who God's brought in your life, the ones that show up consistently praying for you, checking in on you. And uh, that's who your pastor is. He's that type of friend. And so can we thank God for them one more time? And now, and now we are, we're at revival, and uh, that indicates that you came to be filled up, that indicate that you needed from something from God today. And uh, as I was sitting here in worship, and y'all were singing, um, I had this idea, I had this image in my mind that you all were coming, you were like, hey, God, fill me. Fill me, fill me with your spirit, fill me with your joy, fill me, fill me with confidence. I don't know what it is that you need. And you're like, fill me, fill me, fill me. But I heard the Holy Spirit saying back to me, he was like, how about they fill it? Because what the word says is that he will inhabit the praises of his people. And so how about you fill this room with praise? You fill this room with glory and then I'll show up. I'll show up. He says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. He said, that's how you enter in. So I thought you would take a moment and start to download. You might have had a horrible day today. It might have been a rough day today. But how about you confuse the enemy and start to think about everything that you're grateful for, every way that God showed up in your life. Can we take a moment 
Cancel out, forget about the person to your left. Forget about the person to your right. And begin to just thank God out loud. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my health. Right now, lift up your hands. Tell them thank you. Thank you for my job. God, thank you for my kids. God, thank you for my church. God, thank you for my health. Thank you for peace of mind. God, we come to you first before we do anything else. And we fill this place with praise. We fill this place with your glory. We love you, Jesus. You're a good God. You're a faithful God. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We thank you. You're a good God. You're a faithful God. Tonight, we're in desperate need of you. So we won't sit back and just say, God, fill me up. But we would fill this place with praise. We would fill this place with glory. You're good and faithful, God. We love you. We thank you. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. 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 Hey, before... Before you take your seats, I want you to tell both of your neighbors on the left and right, just tell them one of the things you thank God for. Just tell them right now. Tell them, tell them, tell them. I was thanking God for my family. I was thanking God my kids. I was thanking God. Thank you, worship team. Thank you. You can be seated. You can be seated. You can be seated. My God, it feels good to be in a room full of grateful people. Um, it doesn't mean that everything has been good. doesn't mean that everything's been easy. Um, but you're grateful for all that God's done. You're grateful for his faithfulness. And, and so we're going to jump into God's word. Um, we're going to jump in. We're going to jump in. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 41, uh, verses 38 through 45. Um, you'll see the scriptures on the screen. If you brought your Bible, say amen. amen. Say amen. If you didn't, say Hey, it's on the screen anyway. So I'm good. I'll get it. I'll get it. I'll get it. And so we're going to be in Genesis chapter 41, verses 38 through 45. And I'm praying God speaks to us today and that we leave. We leave change because of the Holy Spirit and what he wants to do in and then through you. So we're going to start at verse 38. It says, so Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man? One in whom is the spirit of God. Wives, how about you say that to your husband tonight? Say, can I find anyone like you? I can't find anybody like you. It says, then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all of this known to you, there is no one so discerning and so wise as you. And the, your husband said, yeah, keep talking, keep talking, keep talking, keep talking. It says this in verse 40, it says, you shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So, so Pharaoh, he said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his scented ring, and he put it on his finger. He took his scented ring right off his hand and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. The youth would say that he was getting drippy right here. He was getting drippy right here. And then at verse 43, it says, he had him ride in a chariot as second in command. 
What's your favorite car? What's your favorite car? What's your favorite car? Is it a, is it a Tesla? Is it a, is it a souped up F-150? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Is, 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 it, is it an Audi? What, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Whatever it is, imagine it. Imagine it this moment because he's getting it's getting it right now. He's getting it right now. He's getting it right now. And, it says, and he, says, he says he had him ride in a chariot as his second in command. And people shouted before him, make way, make way. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. 44 says, then Pharaoh said to him, I am Pharaoh without your word. No one will lift a hand or a foot in Egypt. What kind of power is this? Pharaoh gave Joseph, he then gave him a new name, Zephaneth, Panea, and he gave him a Seneth, daughter of Potiphar, priest of On, to his wife. And Joseph went throughout the land of Egypt. What a moment! He gets new clothes, gets new jewelry, gets a new car, all of these things, and he's get put in charge of the whole land of Israel, the whole land of Egypt. He's the, he's the most powerful person leading at this time. The only one above him is Pharaoh. And so there's one thing that you need to know about me. One thing that you need to know about me is I am extremely competitive. I am extremely, and there is, you know, Ricky Bobby says, if you're not first, you're you're last, you're last, you're last. Now, now to me, that, that's Bible right there because that's what God says about me. He says, he says he'll make me the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. You see, winning is a part of your birthright once you become a follower of Christ. We win, that's what we do. And so do I have anybody not competitive? I'll pray for you before you leave today because I'm really competitive. I don't, I don't care what it is. I don't care what it is. I'm telling you, rock, paper, scissors. I know I have a one out of three chances of beating you. So I'll just keep changing. I'll say, hey, two out of best, two out of three. If I don't win that one, I'm going to say, oh, okay, let's change it. Let's go best four out of, four out of seven. I'll just, keep go- I'll just keep going until I win because I know that I got to win. I got to win. Now, don't catch me playing checkers now. Don't catch me playing checkers. Now, if we playing checkers, we got to sit down and establish the rules before we get into it. Because who plays flying kings? You know flying kings, flying kings, who plays that? I see some real checkers players over here. Flying kings, some of you's like, I have no idea what he's talking about. That seems like that's not in the rule book. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. You catch me now. When we playing checkers, you know, part of the strategy is, is that I would, I would jump your players. And eventually, I'd go from my side of the board to your side of the board, and then I'll get into that spot, and I'll jump into that spot. And what am I going to say? King me. Now, now me, when I, when I say king me, I say it with so much swagger, with so much attitude. I'm like, hey, 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 you going to go ahead and, and king me right now? Because now I've gotten to a position where if I get there first, I can control the board. You see, and so the sermon that, that, that God gave me to preach to you tonight, the title is called, it's called King Me. It's called King Me. Because I feel like we're living life to be able to get to this moment, like Joseph, to get to this moment where it seems like everything that I dreamed of is coming to place. It's this moment, it's this moment. This is the, the mama I made it moment. This is the, 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 you know, you can't tell me nothing moment. You know, once you got your new car, nobody could tell you nothing all week long. All you post about it, you wrote around. Like I'm telling you, you make sure everybody see. Don't let you get a new outfit. New pair of shoes. You making sure everybody knows. Because it's this moment. It's this moment. And so as you look at Joseph's life, 
He had this dream. He had this dream and he had this idea of what it was going to be. And he thought that it would be more about status, but he realized that it was more about service. And so here's one thing I want you to write down is sometimes what you pictured isn't what God promised. Sometimes the, the, the image you had in your mind isn't the thing. Like, it's like the dream in the distance. <laughs> like when you get there, it will look a little different. And Joseph got to experience that. Joseph got to experience what it meant to be able to have this perspective shifted as he went through life. Now, let me give you an example. Like me, I dreamed, I dreamed, I told you I was competitive. So all my life growing up, I dreamed of becoming the boss. I dreamed of being in charge. I dreamed of having me a big old desk, you know, big old desk sitting behind it and being able to tell people what to do. I, I dreamed of it. I dreamed of being a father and a husband. I dreamed of it. Matter of fact, I'll show you a picture of my family. You'll see it behind me. I'll show you a picture of my family. Yes, I don't all about them boys. My beautiful wife, my God. Thank God for her. I'll tell you, I'm trying to get you to understand, I dreamed of this. I dreamed of being able to have a family that I'd be able to lead, I'd be able to take care of. I've dreamed of it. I dreamed of having a beautiful wife and perfect kids. I have a beautiful wife. Pray for Carson and Carter. Pray, pray, pray for me as we're raising them. They're 11 preteens. The conversations are changing. I dreamed of it, but it's starting to look different. I dreamed, I dreamed, I dreamed of having a beautiful house you know, white picket fence. But here's the thing I didn't dream of. I didn't dream of painting that fence. I didn't, I didn't, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, I dreamed of what I would experience, but I didn't dream about the responsibility. I, I, I dreamed of what God would bring me into, but I didn't, I didn't think of the weight of carrying it, what that would be like. I, I, I missed that part. I missed that part. Because sometimes what I pictured isn't necessarily what God promised. And, and sometimes the way God talks to me for him to kind of, kind of show me something, he'll start with showing me what something's not, and then I'll be able to understand a better picture of what it is. And so that's how God told me to give it to you, because I'm standing in a room full of people who I believe God has put in charge. He has given you power. He has given you authority. I believe that. I believe that. But I, I, I think we're still struggling with what that means. And so here's the first thing that I want you to write down. First thing I want you to write down is, is being in charge isn't a choice. Being in charge isn't a choice. And so, let's talk about my man Joseph. You see, Joseph's story, it's long. I believe it goes from Genesis chapter 37 all the way to Genesis 50. There's so many things you see happen in his life. And, and here's the interesting thing, is that wherever Joseph went, he received a promotion, but I never saw him ask for it. Everywhere he went, he got promoted, but he never asked for it. He never, he never asked for it. Like, he did not ask his father to be his favorite son. He didn't ask for that. And maybe your homework this week would be go back and read. Start at Genesis chapter 37, read Joseph's whole story, and you can see what God starts to show you. But it started, he was his father's favorite son. He didn't ask for that. Then, then he goes through some things. He ends up getting sold into slavery. And while he's in slavery, he actually gets in charge of all of the slaves at the house. He's like the chief of Potiphar's house, and he never asked for it. He actually gets lied on and thrown into prison, and now he's in prison. And while he's in prison, the prison ward says, oh, I like you. And he actually put him over his whole week. 
He not once asked Pharaoh, can I be second in command? He didn't ask for that, but he stepped into it. You see, we shouted earlier about the scripture found in Deuteronomy. I haven't put it up. Deuteronomy chapter 28. If you throw that up for me. Chapter 28 says, the Lord will make you the head, not the tail. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord, your God, that I give you this day and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top, never at the bottom. Leave it up, leave it up. Because you read that, and that's something to shout about, right? But when I was thinking about Joseph's story and I read this, it says, the Lord will make you. What if I don't want all that responsibility, God? What, what, if, what, if, I don't, what if I don't want all that responsibility? It says, the Lord will make you. And if the Lord's going to make you do something, <laughs> if he's going to make you do something, you don't got a choice. You don't got a choice. And so I was shouting about it, and then I was like, there's some things I don't want to lead, God. There's some things I don't want all that responsibility. Some of you have been wondering why every time something goes wrong in your family, everybody starts calling you. Some of you, you've been wondering, you're wondering, why are you calling me? I'm trying to keep my own peace, and you're calling me, telling me about all your problems. Sometimes you just don't have a choice. You see, I see this played out in my boy's life, Carson and Carter. They are 11 years old, and just by the fact that they're my sons, they have more responsibility. They have more responsibility because they're my kids. They know when they come into church. I knew I had to raise it because I had them this one time they came into church. We have um, a place where we feed all of our volunteers, and North Church does this too, so maybe you should start serving so you can jump in and experience that. <laughs> but my boys, my boys, they're about six years old, and they came into EHQ. They knew where the food and the snacks were. We call it EHQ, our empowerment headquarters. And they went into EHQ and one of the volunteers were in there and one of my sons, I'm not gonna say his name because he's here today and I don't want you to mess with him. But he came in and he said, hey, my daddy told me anything in here I can have. Preacher's kids, these preacher's kids. Anything I want, I can have. No, I did not tell him that. So I was like, hold on guys, I'm gonna have to show you guys you got more responsibility than that. And so I started getting them to lead, getting them to be an example, getting them to understand that they represent something bigger. In my neighborhood, there's this basketball goal that all of the kids come and play at. And I would come home from work and I would see all of these basketballs all over the neighborhood. I'm talking about all over, like they just, kids just leave basketballs everywhere. So I drove into the neighborhood and they were with me that day and I said, hey, I need you guys to do something for me. Anytime you see these basketballs out, I need you guys to clean them up. What was the first thing they said? Well, I don't leave them. It's Johnny down the road. Do I feed Johnny? Do, 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 do I feed Johnny? Do I buy his clothes? Do I buy his 11 size shoe? I'm wearing men's clothes now. Pray for me. I was like, do I, do I, do I? And they're like, no, no, no. I, I need you to own this. I need you to own this. I need you to make sure that that's something that you take care of. I never want to drive into the neighborhood and you guys not feel the weight of making sure that it's taken care of. I don't care what any of the other kids do. So my, my boys, they, they heard me, but I came home the next week. And there was basketballs all over the neighborhood. Here's why this is so, so important, is because some of you are waiting for external validation to step into the charge God called you. But what God told me to tell you today is just remember what your father said. Your father said you were the head and not the tail. Your father said he's giving you authority. So I don't need anybody else to tell me. I don't need anybody else to have my back. I got to remember what my father said. 
being in charge, it's, 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 not a, it's, not a, it's not a choice. It's not a choice. It's not a choice. But here's the second one. Being in charge isn't about you. Being in charge, it isn't about you. It isn't about you. It isn't about you. Because we had this picture that, you know what I mean, that everything would revolve around me. My big desk that everybody would come to and I get to tell them what to do. They make my life better. But when I looked at Joseph's life, everywhere Joseph went, it was better because he was there. Could the same be said about you? Could the same be said about you? Is your office at work, is it better because you're there? Or does everybody start mumbling under their breath when you walk in? Oh, gosh, why she coming in? Is your family better because you're in it? You see, let's go, let's go, let's look at uh, Genesis chapter 39. Genesis chapter 39. I just want to see you a picture of, of, of this in Joseph's life because it's powerful to me that everywhere Joseph went, it was better because he was there. Remember, Joseph was sold into slavery. He is a slave in Potiphar's house. He had every right to complain, be mad about it, but this is what happens. This is Genesis chapter 39. Let's go to verse 1. It says, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of um, Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, he brought him from, um, from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that the Ishmaelites who had taken him there, the Lord, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, sorry, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his intended. He's in charge now. He's in charge now. Potiphar put him in charge of his whole household and he entrusted everything to his care. Verse five, from the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, The Lord blessed the household of that Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. This this messed me up because I thought it was about me. I thought it was about me. Potiphar's house was blessed because Joseph was there. I'm just trying to get you to understand, maybe you've been walking through life and you've been focusing on me, 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 me. You come into church and you're like, hey, I want my seat. Will they sing my song? That's why I love, we got to take a moment and thank God for all of our volunteers. The ones that are taking care of your wild, crazy kids right now. The one that stood out there in the heat and helped park your car. The ones that are controlling the sound. The, the, you want to know why? Because they came to church and they said, it's not about me. Because there's somebody that doesn't know Jesus. So instead of me focusing on what I need, I'm going to serve someone else. What would it look like if every time you came to North Church, you came in and you said, hey, I'm here to make a difference. Because I know somebody's coming in broken, hurting. They went through some things. They, they, they're, they're struggling. And God can use you that way, but you're still focusing on yourself. That's why I love your pastor so much. You don't get to see it, but before you come in, he finds a seat and prays for what God's going to do in this room. 
He prays. It's not about what happens on this stage. What would happen? What would happen if you lived your life that way? Um, can I talk to single people for a second? Just for a second. Uh, single ladies, make some noise. Oh, God bless you. Guys, single guys, single guys. Where are single guys at? Let me hear you. There's a couple options, ladies. There's a couple. There's a couple options. Couple options. Couple options. I just want to talk to you for a second because I made this mistake early on. Me and my wife, we, we just celebrated 14 years of marriage this year. 14 years. Y'all are like, when did they get married? I know, it's got you, I know. Uh, we got married really young. We're 21, 21 years old when we got married. 14 years. I got married with this mentality that, that this woman is going to make my life better. That was my perspective. That this woman is going to make my life better. That was, that was the way I came into this marriage. So, if that's my expectation, if she never makes it better for me, I'm frustrated. I had that little spoiled back prunk I was when I was 21. But the reason why I wanted to talk to you for a second because I don't want you to get married with that perspective. Don't get married saying, this woman or this man is here to make my life better. Come into it saying, God, you've given me this person to pour my whole life into, to make it the best experience so that they can experience joy, so that they can experience peace. I got into this marriage to, to sacrifice, to serve. What would happen? What would happen if you went into that? But some of you are remain single because you're still looking for somebody that will just check off these boxes that will fulfill all of the details that have nothing to do with God's word. That has nothing to do with what God called you to, and then you frustrated. What would happen today if you're married? Some of you have been married years, and, and you're at the brink, you're at the edge, you're at the edge. What if there was a switch that would happen, and you say, hey, you know what? Because, you know, men, I'm the head of the household. What I'm trying to tell you, men, being in charge isn't about you. It, it, isn't, it isn't about you. Now, now, here's another thing. When you understand that it's not about you, you can anticipate the attack. When, when you realize that being in charge isn't about you, you know that you'll get challenged. Because that's going to come to make sure that you don't keep the focus on you. Now, now what happened in Potiphar's house, now, I'll say it this way. I don't know if y'all heard this term, but, but, but there's this term. You've heard of hoochie mama shorts. But who knows about hoochie daddy shorts? Who knows about, who said who? So here's what happened. Joseph, he's a slave in Potiphar's house. Now, I just want to paraphrase. You go back and look at it. This is the Bible. Joseph is walking around. He's doing the things that he's asked to do. He is the head slave in this house, and he's doing his thing. Potiphar's wife, she sees Joseph, and I think it was hot. It was at the beginning of August, and he had on some hoochie daddy shorts, and Potiphar's wife said, Ooh, who is that slave right there? Now, Potiphar's wife, she grabs Joseph, pulls him up, and she says, okay, come late with me. Now, I'm trying to see a little, some kids in there. Make sure next time you check them in kids. So we talk about it. I'm going to help you out. He said, come lay with me. Come lay with me. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing that caught me when I was reading this. It's because I never had paid attention to this before, but, but Joseph was a slave, meaning that whatever his masters told him to do, 
It was his duty to fulfill it. Follow me. So if they said, hey, I need you to go and clean up the trash, his job as a slave is to say, yes, ma'am. So that goes to his Potiphar's wife saying, come and sleep with me. It was his duty. He was a slave. But here's what caught my attention because he knew that it wasn't about him. So here's what he says. He says, I can't sin against God and my master. I can't do this. What I'm trying to get you to understand is that you don't need to operate on on the organization standard. Operate on God's standards. Operate in his economy. He's like, I don't care. I don't care about this. I know that this would sin against God. And so I can't do this. Some of you, your, your organization are doing some shady things. Some of you have started to cut some corners because this, this is the move. And, and here's the thing. You're like, but it's, it's my check. It's my money. It's, it's. You feeling whatever it is for you. Sometimes, sometimes it's, it's my ego. It's my ego. The, 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 the reason why I like spending company with someone that's not my wife is because they stroke my ego. So I'm saying, saying, but, but, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's my, it's about me. It's about me. It's about me. It's about me. Being in charge isn't about you. When you keep that perspective, you can stay humble. You can keep serving. You can allow God to fill you. You can allow him to fill you up. You can allow him to take you from glory to glory. Because being in charge, it isn't about you. You see this played out all throughout Joseph's life. He's in prison. He's in prison because he told Potiphar's wife, no, I can't do it. She goes and lies on him and says that, no, he came and tried to rape me. He did what was right and got thrown into prison. See, some of you, that's your frustration today. Your feeling is, is I've been doing everything I feel like I'm supposed to. Why in the world do I keep getting attacked? Why in the world do I feel pressed from the left and the right? Why? I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm here on a third Thursday night. What, what you want me to do, God? And God might, might be saying, hey, hey, maybe I got to get you. It's not about you. You've still been so self-centered that I got to continue to dig and uproot that so that you can have a focus of understanding what does it mean to be in charge? So he gets thrown into prison and he serves while he's there. He starts interpreting others, other prisoners' dreams. He starts serving them while he's in a prison. You see, when you realize that being in charge is not about you, it doesn't matter the place. It doesn't matter the location. You realize that I'm called to serve. You realize that I'm called to be a servant. You realize I'm called to make a difference. God planted you right in your seat, right in your seat on purpose, on purpose. Could it be that the person to your left or your right, that God set you there to be a difference in their life, to fulfill a need? But if you just go through the motions, focusing on, I'm going to get my word today. I'm going to get my praise on today. And you never consider your neighbor. And you never consider, you go to job, I'm going to clock in, clock out and get my check. And you never forget that God put you in charge because you don't got a choice. You don't got a choice. He's going to put you in places that you didn't. How about we praise God for a second? Because some of you still hasn't praised God that he's put you in positions that you aren't even qualified for. He's put you in positions. He's put you in positions that you didn't pray for. He's done raised you up. Hey, I stand on this stage today still blown away. I'll be like, how in the world am I on a stage preaching God's word? 
Because it wasn't a choice. I wonder what it would look like if you would evaluate your life that way. Now, here's the last one, and the last one really got me because it, it just flipped the pair down on what it meant to, to be in charge, to step in that authority. And it's this, being in charge isn't the same thing as being in control. Being in charge isn't the same thing as being in control. And I want to slow down right here for a moment because every single message that God has given me in this season has been so, so personal. Because if I look at Joseph's life, if he was in control, there's a lot of things that he dealt with, a lot of things that he went through that he would have changed in a heartbeat. He would have changed in a heartbeat. If he was in control, there was no way that his brothers would have tried to kill him and then decided just to sell him into slavery. He, he, if he was in control, that wouldn't have happened. If he was in control, he wouldn't have been lied on by Potiphar's wife and thrown into prison. And maybe you're here today and there's some things that you've gone through. And you were like, if I was in control, that would have never happened. I got to pause here and get you to understand that being in charge isn't the same thing as being in control. Now, I mentioned this earlier. We bought our first house. And I was like, hey, I'm so excited about my house, but I did not dream of, of fixing anything. Matter of fact, I'm not handy at all. I'm just, I'm just saying, don't laugh at me. The, the, you know, the manly men in here, they're like, oh. I'm telling if you said, hey, is this a wrench or an Allen wrench or a, I'd be like, listen, man, um, I, know how to, I, know, I know how to um, hold a microphone. I, know, I, can, I can type a little bit. You know, but, but when it comes to fixing stuff, I just, I just get, I'm like illiterate. I'm ignorant. I just don't know. Like one time, one time, uh, we went to Ikea and I had this idea. I was going, I was like, I was like, hey, babe, right here when we come to the door, we need a coat rack, right? Coat rack. And it looked easy. It was this white coat rack, and then you could piece it in. And I watched it. Okay, okay. So here's how you put it together. I put it together. And then I was like, okay, let me go ahead and put it on the wall. Let me go ahead and put it on the wall. And so, hey, I had downloaded a leveler on my phone so I could make sure it was straight. I got me two nails, two nails, and I lined it up. I used a little marker to mark it, and then I hammered them in. I lined it up. I put that, that, that coat rack on the wall. I pushed it in. And I stood back. I said, hey, look, baby, I did that. Check that out. Check that out. I said, hey, 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 go get your coat. I'll let your coat be the first, baby. I'll let your coat be the first. She put that coat on that thing. That thing said, whoop, fell right down to the ground. I just said, and so I was like, so I called, I called one of my guys from church. I said, hey, I tried to put this coat rack on and it just fell off. I mean, I used the leveler and everything. And he was like, he was like, um, did you find the stud? Hey, what are you talking about? What is a stud? What, what is... What, my wife calls me a stud sometimes. Calls me a stud sometimes. No, no. So, so God forbid if something goes wrong, right? If something goes wrong, what am I going to do? And so I want to tell you this thing going to happen. Can I see it? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So uh, we had, this, uh, we had this, this leak. We had this leak in our... Uh, <laughs> We had this leak in our, in our bathroom. Uh, it was in the tub. It was in the bathroom tub, and we just had this leak. Um, and it was, it was slow. It wasn't going very fast. It was just, just dripping. And so um, then it started dripping a little bit faster, and, you know, because I let it go for a couple days. <laughs> Stop laughing at me. <laughs> laughing at me. 
And so then I come in, I was like, all right, it's going a little bit faster. That light bill, I mean, not that light bill, that, that water bill is going to be high if I don't get this thing fixed. So I was like, let me go in here and, and just check it out. Maybe it just needs a little bit of elbow grease, right? Let me, maybe it just needs. So, so you have it like this, right? And normally the knob goes forward and back, right? Forward and back. Did something funny this time. So what I did was I turned it forward and then I, you know, I put some elbow grease around it and I pulled it as hard as I can. It did something funny. When I pulled it, it, went, it didn't go forward back. It said, whoop. <laughs> Spin all the way around. Listen. <laughs> I'm, I know it's not supposed to do that. I know it's not supposed to do that. So I'm like, um, should I just turn it back around? Should I just... So here's what happens. So here's what happens. I take it and I spin it all, all back around as hard as I could. Spin it back. It pops off. <laughs> Water's everywhere. I'm drenched. It down my shirt, it's going in my mouth, I'm drowning, I'm yelling, hey, Whitney, Carson, Carter, boys, come on, I told you to pray for them, they came in, crossed their arms, just looked at me, I'm like, help me, I'm about to die, help me, so I grab, so I grab, I grab, I grab a towel, and I put it over, I put it over, and I stop for a second, I'm like, what am I supposed to do, I don't know, the water's going everywhere, Here's one thing. This is, this is free for you, and I want you to understand this. I started to remember I got a neighbor across the street. His name's Mike. Now, Mike's retired, and his garage is always open. He's always in there working for something. So I was like, hey, I'm going to go run to Mike. Here's this. is so, so important that you get this. So important that you get this. Some of you are still praying to God for something that he gave you a neighbor you could run to. No, 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 no. You're like, hey, I'm struggling in my marriage right now. And we talk about groups. We talk about getting in community all the time. You're like, hey, I'm struggling in my finances. Are you going to let somebody teach you how to budget? But you're like, God, help me. And he's like, go to Mike. Go to Mike. So that's what I did. Soaking wet. Soaking wet. I'm, I'm like, you know when, you're, when, you're, when your shoes get wet and it starts to make that. <laughs> so, so I run. I run all the way to Mike's house. I'm drenched. Water's everywhere. And I say, hey, Mike. Mike, I need you. I need you. And you can see his eyes like, what in the world is going on? What is what's going on? I said, Mike, hey, this knob, this knob, I broke it. I broke it off. Water's going everywhere. I'm envisioning water coming through the ceiling and everything. I'm like, I'm like, I need you, Mike. Come help me. Mike asked me one question. What do he ask? Mike, how do you do that? I don't know. How, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know how to turn it off. Help me, Mike. Mike runs across barefooted, barefooted, runs across barefooted, and we go into the garage, and he shows me this valve, and this is a funny story, but God really spoke to me about it in this moment, because he told me, he said, Chet, there's a valve that's in your garage that controls the water flow into the whole house, and so what'll happen is, is I'm going to take a time, and I'm going to turn it until it turns off, and when it turns off, Water won't go to anywhere in the house anymore, and then we can go and we can fix the knob. When he said that, I said, so you're telling me that that knob, that valve, that valve, you're telling me that that, that valve, that that valve has the power to release water to the entire house? That's what that valve does? He says, yes, Chet. And so that, that, that knob that I broke off, you're telling me that that knob, its job is to release it? And so I saw a picture of the relationship between us and God. You see, God has all power and authority. Your job is to release it. 
You see, being in charge isn't the same thing as being in control. So God controls it, but are you releasing it? Are you releasing peace into your home? Are you releasing joy into your home? Are you releasing his goodness? Are you releasing? Matter of fact, how about you take a moment and release praise? How about you take a moment and release praise? He has all power and authority. You see, whatever door God opens, no man can shut. He's in control. You see, see, this is so, 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 so important that you understand being in charge isn't the same thing as being in control. Because there's some things in your life that if it was up to you, you would have turned it off real quick. You would have shut it off real quick. You see, I mentioned this earlier that going through things, that's when you need friends in your life. I was supposed to be here around the same time last year. And my mother was in a catastrophic accident just a year ago. And she's been in a hospital ever since. Um, she's in a coma. And we're still praying and believing that God would show up. If I was in control, that would have never happened. I would have stopped it. I would have blocked it. I would have made sure. But I'm not. I'm not, I'm not in control. That's hard for me to swallow because sometimes we feel like we can manipulate God, we can make him do things and it's like, no, he's the one that's in control. In that moment, I realized just like Joseph, he would have never wanted to be sold into slavery. He never wanted to be lied on. He, he would have never, he, none of, if he was in control, it wouldn't have happened. And it made me think about you. And that maybe God had me wait a whole nother year to be able to come back because you were going through something and you're stuck right now because you're like, I don't know why this happened. You're stuck. You can't move forward. You're like, I, that's, I just, I just want to stop that. And that's where you find yourself right now. That's where you find yourself right now. I come to just every time you go through your house and you see knobs everywhere. I want you to be reminded, well, I'm in, I'm in charge. Even though it flowed through God's hands, I got to have enough faith to be able to make a decision. What am I going to release? I got to make a decision. I got to make a decision and say, you know what? I am in charge. I am in charge of my perspective. I am in charge of my praise. I am in charge of the people that I let around me. I am in charge. I might not be able to control everything, but there's some things that I get to make the decision on. So I, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what diagnosis you have in your family. I have no, I have no clue. But God came to me, came to send me here today. He says, hey, tell him, tell him I'm still in control. I still have a plan. I still have all power. But they have a part to play too. Everybody stand on your feet. Stand on your feet. Stand on your feet. You take this for me. Thank you. As I'm preaching, some of you have something right in your mind right now that you've been thinking about. And it's been heavy. It's been hard to, to deal with. You put on a smile for everybody. You show up and doing the best you can. I, ho I hope today that you just have a picture. He still, he hasn't left the throne. This is why I want to go back to where I started. Genesis chapter 41. I want to start at verse 40. 
This is Pharaoh talking to Joseph. He's telling Joseph, I'm about to put you in charge. you're, You're about to be the man. And listen to this. It says, you shall be in charge of my palace and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. You see, Joseph, he's a Hebrew. He, he grew up knowing that we have a God, God of Isaac, Jacob, God of Abraham. You see, I know you sit on a throne, but there's another throne. There's, a, there's, a, there's another throne. There's another throne. And I can see him thinking this because as you keep going, it says this. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hear him put you in charge of a whole land. 42. Pharaoh took his scented ring from his finger. He put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as a second in command. You see, as I read that, it was interesting to me because, you know, remember when I was talking about playing checkers? You get to that other side and you're like, hey, hey, say with me. He said, King me. And what they do is, is they take another piece and they're essentially crowning, crowning that piece king. You see, Joseph got a ring, he got a gold chain, he got some new robes, he even got a new car, but he didn't receive a crown. So maybe the message is that we need to go from telling the world to King us, put us in control, and God's whispering into your ear right now saying, King me, King me, King me, King me, King me. King me in your finances, king me in your family, king me on your job. Hey, put me in my rightful place. Put me in the seat that I died for. Put me in the seat where I can deliver. Put me in the seat where I can heal. Jesus like, king me, king me, king me. Bow your head, close your eyes. Maybe that's the decision that some of you have to make tonight. You've never made a decision to king God, to king Jesus, to put him at the center and the control, to give him the seat that he rightfully deserves, to say, Jesus, I'm yours. Maybe you're here today and, you know, you're doing the right things or showing up, but this isn't about that. This is about you making a decision to say, Jesus, I am yours. I make you king of my life. Bible says that whosoever believes in their heart, confesses with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, his Father, raised them from the dead, he will be saved. Jesus is whispering to somebody tonight saying, will you king me? Maybe you're here tonight, you used to walk with God, you used to talk with God, but you walked away from the faith. Maybe this is your moment to come back home. And so with all heads bowed, all eyes closed, we're going to say a prayer together as a church family. This is a prayer of surrender, a prayer of salvation, a moment where you're making a decision to say, Jesus, I'm yours. I make you king of my heart. Everyone repeat after me. Say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God and that he died on the cross and rose from the grave to forgive me of my sins. So I give you my sins. I give you my shame, and from this day forward, I'll follow you. Now, with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, if you just said that prayer, you meant it, 
making a decision to give your life to Christ or coming back to him. I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, I want you to shoot your hand up so quick, so boldly, so we can celebrate what God just did. Here we go. One, two, three. Shoot your hand up in this place, making decisions. Come on, church. Come on, church. Let's lift up a shout of praise. Let's give God glory. Heaven's doing backflips. There's a party right now. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, if somebody next to you raised their hand, give them a hug for me. Put your arms around them. Give them a hug. Say, God bless you. Say, I love you. Make sure, make sure if you made that decision, you don't leave today without making sure you let someone know the host team is out there. Make sure you let someone know tonight so that the teams can cover you. They can walk with you in this season. But at this time, I'd love to, to ask for the prayer team to come forward, the prayer team to come. We'll sing one more song. And during this song, I realized that maybe some of you, tonight wasn't the night that you needed to give your life to Christ. You've already done that, but you've still been trying to hold on control. You've still been holding it all so tight. And that maybe some of you were going through something painful like I am and you're needing to put your trust in God for this situation, church is here for you. Here for you. And so I don't need you to give your whole story. All you have to do is say one word. Just come up and say, hey, I'd love for you to pray for my marriage. Let them pray. I'd love for you to pray for my healing. Let them pray. They don't need the whole story. They don't need, they don't need, they don't need I need you to pray for my family. And they'll pray. And so right now, the altar's open. If you need someone to pray with you, move now. Go ahead, get in the place. The worship team can come. We're going to lift up and worship God together. Those that are coming down, what I need you to do, maybe you're here tonight and you're like, hey, I don't need prayer. How about you serve somebody else? Because it's not about you. How about you pray and intercede for the ones that walked up? Maybe you didn't need prayer tonight. But remember, being in charge isn't about you. So you can pray for somebody else while they're going through. You can pray for somebody else that God would move for them. And so everybody, lift up your hands. Let's pray together. God, we come to you saying thank you for the sons and the daughters that desperately need a touch from you. I pray that we would leave with there would be a transforms to take place. There would be a beauty for ashes, sorrow for joy, and that we would leave with you being king of our hearts. We love you. We thank you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's worship church. Lift up a shout of praise.